Welcome to the Gathering at Adel. Today's message is continuing in our series over Advent. Today's message is about love. We'll be looking at John 3 and 1 John chapter 4. Thank you for listening. And today we're talking Advent. It's the third Sunday of Advent and it's love. We, we've gone over hope and peace and we, we've talked about hope. Is, our only hope is Jesus Christ. The, the only hope you have in this life is not your truck, your job, your career, your bank account. It's not your spouse, your kids. It's none of that. The only hope that you have is not an idea or a theology. It's in a man and his name is Jesus Christ. Put your hope in him and you will not be disappointed. We talked about how there's peace because Jesus came on this earth. And he said, glory to God in heaven. The angels declared it and they said, peace on earth to all nations, to the people he favors. And because of Jesus Christ, we can have peace with God. We can have peace with ourselves and we can have peace with one another. And so we come into the third Sunday of Advent and it's love. And it's like, man, isn't that what it's all about? Like, like how do we even just dedicate one Sunday to love? It's this season where we slow down. And we begin to just anticipate his second returning. We, we think about his first coming as a baby, born of a virgin, came to live this life just as you and I, and he did it without sin. And then we anticipate his returning and his second coming. And man, what a glorious day. How, how is it love? How, how is a theme of Advent about love? Because isn't it because of love that he came down? What, what else would pro, propel, what else would cause somebody to, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, who is in glory, ruling and reigning, to choose to leave his seat in the heavenlies and to come and walk this filthy earth? What else would cause a man to do that except the love that he has for you? John three sixteen it says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. It, not for God was so disappointed in you. For God was so frustrated with you. For God was so angry with you. For God was so upset at the way the world went. But he said, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. Love is what propelled God to send his son to this earth to die the most crucial, horrible death ever imagined. Love is what it's all about. His great love for us. He didn't do it so that he could condemn you. He didn't say, I'm going to send my son and he's going to show you how it's done and you're never going to measure up to it and that's going to be the condemnation on you. It says that he did not send his son for, to condemn the world but to save the world. He said that he came to seek and to save those that were lost. His love is what propelled him to do that. His great love for you. Like why do we struggle with things? Because we don't understand his love for us. Why, why does Jeff struggle with Dr. Pepper addiction? And we can laugh about it and joke. But why do I do that? Because I don't trust him. 
Why, why, do, we, why do we live in a world that, that is full of brokenness and sin and addiction and adultery because the world doesn't trust him to meet their needs? Why do we walk out of our marriages to find a need to be met in a woman in another place because we don't trust that he's going to meet our needs? Why, why is pornography one of the most dangerous addictions and one of the most rampant, not outside of the church, inside of the church? Because we don't trust God that he's going to meet that need and desire that he's placed inside of us. Why do we go to drugs and alcohol? Because we don't think that he really is good and that he is the counselor, right? That, that we don't think that he is able to take care of us, to comfort us. We go outside of that because we don't know that his great love is for us. We want to meet the needs ourselves so that we can love ourselves, and not allow him to love us. For his great love, he sent his son. This whole thing is about love. Advent, slowing down this life, it's all about love. His great love for us. For God so loved the world. He loves you. Like he, he, he loves you. That, that fog that we talk about, that, that's in 1 Corinthians 13, right? It's the love chapter, and in there is that fog, and it says, you can't see clearly yet, but there will be a day. What are, what are you trying to see clearly? His love for you. Man, God is good. How do we, what do we do with that love? He, he pours it out lavishly upon us. And what do we do in return? How, how, how do we love him in return? Well, Sundays are easy. To come in here, people that for the most part like you, you know, think generally about the same things that you do. We're all here for one purpose. It's easy to love God right here. But how, how do we turn this time now and become a passionate pursuer of him? It's not just on Sundays. It's every day. It's recognizing our need and our love for him every day. I mean, when you begin to look at why do we not do that, it's because we, we don't understand, we don't grasp what he did for us on the cross. We don't realize that because of the great love that he had for us, he came and he stood in the gap. The, the chasm that was too wide, he bridged it. The, the gap that was in between us and God because of our sin, he closed it. He came to pay a debt that he did not owe because we could not pay the debt that we did owe. He came to pay the debt that we, did, that we owed so that we could live the life that we did not deserve. He paid the debt so that we had the freedom to live the life that he's called us to. You see, when, when you are in debt, you are a slave to that thing. You are not free to live the life that you're supposed to live because you're enslaved to the debtor. But Jesus came and paid the debt that he did not owe so that you and I could live the life that we should. The life that we deserve, that we have earned, is death. For the wages of sin is death. But those who believe in Jesus Christ will have eternal life. How, how do we love God? It's tomorrow morning. You wake up 
If you have kids, before the kids. If you don't have kids, it's before the sun gets up, maybe. You wake up and you open the word. You say, Father, I I love you today. Teach me your word. Teach me your ways. And then you read and then you journal. And you pray and you say, Father, I love you today. Use me however way you want to. Wherever you want to, however you want to. Let my life be a sacrifice to you today. Let me love you in such a way that people are, are like, man, that guy needs to calm down a little bit. He's so in love. Say, say Father, use me today. Whether I'm at work or the doctor at Target at school, wherever I am, use me today. And then when he speaks to you, follow him. And do it all day long. And then when you lay your head down on your pillow tonight, you say, Father, I hope I loved you well today. Not, not out, of, out of a fear of condemnation, not out of a fear of displeasing to him, but out of a, as a husband lays down with his wife. It says, today with every word, with every thought, with every action, I honored you today. I loved you. I, I, I thought about you more than anybody else and more than anything else. And just as you lay down at night with your head on your pillow and you say, Father, I hope you're pleased with me today. And then Tuesday morning you get up, you open up the word, and you say, Father, teach me your word today. Teach me your ways. Let me reflect your goodness and your grace to those around me. And then you journal and you pray. And you say, Father, use me today. And you do it Tuesday and you do it Wednesday. And you do it Thursday, and you do it Friday, you do it Saturday, Sunday, and you do it all over again. Because it's easy to love him in these moments. It's easy to love him on Sundays. It's easy to love him when he blesses you. It's easy to love him when things are going well. But to love him, to pour out that love back to him is called devotion. He loves us unconditionally, and we pour it back out in devotion. If we treated our relationship with God, the way that we treat our marriage. Like, like we treat our relationship with God like it's just a once a week thing. If you treated your marriage that way, you, uh, you would not be married long. Yeah. We only talk to him once a week. We only pull out the word when things are really bad. Is that love? And we do these things not to puff ourselves up, not because of religion. But if you turn to 1 John chapter 4. We'll, we'll be back and forth. It's actually in, in chapter 5 verse 2. This is how we know that we, are, that, that we love God's children when we love God and obey his commands. For this is what love for God is. Man, how many, how many times do you just want to see it plainly in the Bible? For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. 
and his commands are not a burden. To love God is this. To follow his commands and his commands are not a burden. You see, his commands, the law used to be a burden. But because of Jesus Christ, his commands are no longer a burden because there's grace. You see, the, fear oper- the, the law operated out of fear. Fear of retribution from God. But because of Jesus Christ, his commands are not a burden because now it's based off of love and not out of fear. You, you see, oh, how do we take this love that he has for us? That, that he left his throne, came to walk, talk, breathe, live and die on this earth for you. To bridge the gap, to pay the debt. We pour that back out in devotion to him. Not on Sundays. Not, not when things are good. But every single day. If you're not doing it every single day then it's the love of God in you. If you only do it when you get a raise, when, if you only do it when you get a promotion, if you only do it when your kids make straight A's, make the honor roll, what good is it for that? But to love God is, is to look at that cancer diagnosis, to, to look at that pink slip to get terminated and to say, Father, I love you today. I'm not worried about this. I, I, I don't even care if this ends in death. Because death wears your sting. It says that, that Jesus says that I, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He says I was dead but now I'm alive. And I hold the keys, uh, keys of Hades and death. Right? Can, can you imagine being so fickle that that losing, that, that our car not starting causes us to question our devotion to him. That, that, that us losing a job causes us to question his love for us and our love for him. Can you even imagine being so fickle that, that losing a, a son, a daughter, would cause us to question his love for us? We have placed such an emphasis on this world. It, it does not matter I mean, it, would, it, would it break my heart if one of my kids died? Absolutely it would. But it's not going to cause me to question his love for me and my love for him. I, I, and I'm not going to wait till that day to begin to build that up in me. I can stand here today and say that because every day I pray. Father, if something happens to my kids, man, I'm going to love you. I'm not going to turn my back on you. I'm not going to doubt you. I'm not going to put my trust in something else or someone else. Because I think that you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. We, we talk about Advent and, and his love for us now. And, and we talk about how can we anticipate his returning. And, and we love to talk about his returning. And we say it in such a way where it's like, oh, surely he's coming back any moment now. I mean, just look at the way the world has gone. And we're wanting him to come back and save us from this earth. But he's not coming back to save you. He's coming back for his bride. We're crying out to him because of fear. When he's saying, don't you just want to be with me? 
You see, at some point we have to begin to desire him to come back because we love him and we want to be with him, not to, just so that we, he's our plan B to escape this place. You know, we, we talk all the time like, man, we're so ready for his returning, but yet we fight death so hard. We say, man, Lord, we're ready for you to come back. And as soon as we start to feel sick, we're like, I'm going to take some medicine. This can't lead to death. You know, like we, we, that, that will to live springs up inside of us. And, and I can tell you, I, I mean, I, I think of my, my baby girl, Hattie. Man, there, there's, nothing, there's nothing that's going to bring me more pleasure on this side of heaven than to be able to walk her down the aisle. Put her hand in her groom's hand and give her a way to be married. Because I'm holding on to this world. Because honestly, I desire that more than standing face to face with him. We have to begin to look forward to his returning as a glorious day. And whether that's by cancer or a car wreck, there's no tears in heaven. I mean, I, if I don't get to ever hold my grandbaby in my arms, that causes sadness to rise up in me. Because I've lost the picture of who Jesus is as the lover of my soul. Who wanted me before the foundations of the earth. Who, who looks at me and calls me the apple of his eye. He says I'm his masterpiece. His most prized possession. And yet somehow we desire th these things more than that. What does that tell me? Man, that, that I don't get it yet. Because I would rather have those things than the one thing. To pour out our love for him is to be devoted to him. And devoted isn't once a week. Maybe you're, you're holy and you go, go to a Bible study and it's twice a week. That's not, that's not enough. It's not enough for the relationship. He, he didn't die for you to come to church on Sundays. He died so that any separation that there was because of sin and shame could now be brought back together. That where we were banished from his presence because of the condition of our hearts, that we've now been brought near to him by the blood of Jesus Christ. That love should cause a devotion in us. It, it, like like it, could, it should cause a devotion that people go, hey, you, you might want to calm down a little bit. You're getting a little radical. You're getting a little cultish. That's, I think, that's where we're headed. To be passionate pursuers of him. For people to go, why are they meeting up here on a Tuesday night? Why are they meeting up here on a Friday? Like, these people are weird. What, what's their problem? Don't they know that this is not how you do it? You Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It's got to be every day, or it's nothing at all.
what's, what's the beauty of Jesus coming to die for us? It says, while we were enemies of him, he came and reconciled us to him. That, that while we were still sinners. You see, he didn't save you when you were already good. While, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And, and the word says, not counting our sins against us. Or not counting our trespasses against us. He came and, and died for you. And he didn't count your sins against you. He didn't go, oh man, okay, this one's going to be a lot. This is Brady. Uh, we, we got. He didn't count your sins against you. He said you're worth it. We pour out our love for him through devotion to him. And then we pour it back out to those around us. I, I don't know. First uh, John 4 is so phenomenal. Uh, you have... 1 John chapter 4, the first part of 5, it's all really good anyways. But, but you have John, the apostle, you, you know, the same John that wrote the gospel of John who, who gave himself the nickname the disciple that Jesus loved. You have, you have that guy that, that now is, is writing, and he's an older man now. He, this is like Grandpa John coming and writing to his kids. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way that God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Verse 16, the second half. It says, God is love. And the one who remains in love, or the one who remains in love remains in God. And God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom, whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children, when we love God and obey his commands. For this is what the love for this is what love for God is, to keep his commands and his commands are not a burden. You cannot say that you love God and yet hate your brother. 
You cannot, I cannot stand up here and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and yet have hate in my heart. If I do, then I'm a liar. You, like, like you, we want, we want the right to hate our brothers and sisters sometimes because of what they did, what they said, what they thought about us. But it says that if you say that you love God and yet hate your brother or sister, then the love of God is not in you. That's a strong statement, but this is from Grandpa John, who's saying, I love you, dear friends. Y'all need to pay attention to this. Because this is where his love is made complete in us, that we love one another, just as he loved us. He said, John, actually said in John chapter 13, 34 and 35, he said, Jesus said, I give you a new command. To love one another just as I have loved you. In this way the world will know that you are my disciple. This is the way the world will know that you are my disciple. Not how many times you come to church. Not how many times you serve in a soup kitchen. Not how many tithe checks you put in those boxes back there. Not how many times you serve in the nursery. Not how many times you can recite John 3.16. You can know all the books of the Bible. You know the Ten Commandments by heart. None of that matters. He said, the world will know that you are my disciple by your love for your brothers and sisters. You can do all of those things. But if you don't have love for your brothers and sisters, what is it? It's also in 1 Corinthians 13, right? Let me pull, pull to that. That was unplanned. If I speak human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I am... A noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not love, I am nothing. And I, if I give away all my possessions and if I give over my body in order to boast but do not love, I gain nothing. You can do all of those things, but without love, it's nothing. Nothing more than a, a gong or a clanging cymbal. The, the, the prostitutes in those days, they, they would have little hand symbols and they would clang them around like that and it would get your attention. He says you can do all those things, but without love, you're nothing more than just a clanging symbol. You can do all those things, but you're nothing more than just a prostitute. You're doing all of these things without love. And basically that's what a prostitute is, doing all those things without love. He says if you do all those things but not have love, you're a clanging cymbal or a gong. I mean, can you, can you imagine? To, to love our brothers and sisters, that, that, that's the ultimate thing. No greater love is this than for a man to lay down his life. Why do we not do that? God is love and the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. Why do, why do we not love our brothers and sisters? Because we're afraid. What, what if I let them in too close to me and they find out something about me? What, what if they find out that I'm not really the real deal? What, what if they realize that this is all fake? 
You see, we, we have a poverty mentality in the church. Why, why do less than 20% of people tithe and give? Because there's a fear and a poverty mentality in the side of the church. We're afraid that if we give, then there won't be enough for me. If I write this check, what's going to happen when I run short? It, if I loan out my tools and they break them, what's going to happen the next time I need it? Is someone just going to magically give me one? Is something just magically going to happen? What, what if I loan out my truck and they wreck it? Because there's a poverty mentality because we think that we're the, we're the author and the perfecter of our faith and of our finances. We think, we think that it begins and ends with us. That I can go out and I can work and I can shoelace and bootstraps and leather and just work it and earn it and it's mine. And I have a right to it. And I, I don't want to give my hard-earned money to this guy on the side of the road. Because I earned mine. He needs to go get a job. But 1 John 3.16, a lesser known 3.16, says this is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us and we should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Look at this right here. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Listen to Grandpa John right here. He says, little children, let us not love in word or speech but in action and in truth. How can we look at our fellow believer, our brothers and sisters, them be in need and withhold something from them because of a poverty mentality. We earned it and it's ours. Or I only have this much money. And I can prove it to you. I'll show you my bank account. I only have this much money. It's a finite amount of funds. And if I give half of that away, if I give all of that away, then there's not enough for me. It's never up to you anyways. We have this mentality that we can do it ourselves, that we can make it happen, but it's not up to you. To lay down your life, that's how we love our brothers and sisters. Like that takes it to a whole nother level. Like we think, oh, hey, after they have a baby, let's make them a meal or let's write them a note of encouragement. Let's do this, let's do that. If they need this and I've got it, I'll help them out with that. But the word says to love your brother and sister is to lay down your life. For, for me to say that any need that you have comes before mine. Before I put food on my table, I need to make sure that y'all have food on your table. Before I put new clothes on my body, I need to make sure that you have everything that you need. And, and that's radical. Like, are you serious, Jeff? It says it in Acts, at the foundation of the church, that they met together. They had fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And it says that, that everyone sold all that they had, and nobody was in need. 
before I freak you out, and I know I said Colt, and then we talk about this. I'm not saying to do that right now. I, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to reach into your neighbor's pocket and write a big check. I'm not saying that. Don't worry. <laughs> a little, it could have gone downhill quick. But what I'm saying is, if you see a fellow brother and sister in need, and you withhold compassion, the love of God is not in you. And, and, and now listen to me. I'm not saying that if you see a guy on the side of the road, to have compassion means to give him your truck. Maybe it means it's time to give him a ride. You know, like we, you have to pray. You have to be led by the Spirit. It doesn't mean that we just give it all away because, well, that's what Jeff said to do. Just give it all away. And then like, Lord, no, you're led by the Holy Spirit. When you sit down on Tuesday morning and you open up your word and you say, Father, teach me your ways. Show me your heart. Fill me with your Spirit. Let me be used today however you see fit. And then when he brings somebody in your path, you just are obedient. And you do it not because it's a burden. Like you don't hold on to that $100 bill and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this, you know, getting it. And the Lord said to give this to you. I don't know what. I'm not sure. If you, you probably don't, if you don't need it, I'll take it back. But I mean. You look good. I'll just, here, I, let's just go. We'll split it. Fifty. But, but we have to be careful. To withhold compassion reveals something in our hearts, a deficiency in our hearts. Yes, sir. It's really hard to do that. And so I just encourage you, as you sit down and, and you're like, Lord, who's in need today? You've blessed me beyond measure. Is there a way that I can be a blessing to someone today? To love our brothers and sisters means to lay down our lives for them. And that's tough to do. Because this world is all about me. What good is it for man to gain the world? yet forfeit his soul. What, is it, what good is it for me to accumulate possessions and yet to see my brother or sister suffer? That reveals something about me. To love him is to be devoted to him. And so we're just going to end with this and just going to have you ask yourself a question. Maybe two. The first one is, Father, is there any area in my life where I'm not devoted to you? In my speech, in my finances, in my health, in my marriage, in my kids, is there any place that I'm not devoted to you, that I've withheld from you? And the next one is, Father, is there a brother or sister that I've withheld from? And then you just say, Father, this week, 
I want to be a blessing. Because you've blessed me so much. I want to pour out that same love that you have for me onto somebody else. So close your eyes. I'm going to pray over you. Just ask, Father, is there, is there any area of my life that I'm not devoted to you? And am I, am I withholding love from my brothers or sisters in any area? 